Welcome to the How Soccer Explains Leadership Podcast, where we explore leadership principles through the lens of the beautiful game. Welcome back to How Soccer Explains Leadership. Thanks again for being a part of the conversation. I'm Phil Dark, your host, and with me is my brother. And, you know, it's been a bit, but Paul, how you doing, man? Doing great. Our listeners may not think it's been a bit because you've been rattle them out here every couple of weeks, but we've, we've had a couple of weeks since recording, but uh, yeah, things are great, man. It's good to be back on the podcast and, and stepping in with some, some, uh, some new interviews, man. Things are great. Yeah. You know, I, I, uh, I realized the other day, I'm like, I miss Paul. I just, we haven't talked for a bit, you know, and, and you, you listeners, you get, you get your dose of Paul, like regularly, it comes in regular intervals. It's like, you know, your good medication that comes at that, just that right time. And it gets you going and I just haven't had that. I missed it. I missed my my like my dose. We had a, we had a bit a bit of run there where we were doing them almost every other day, and it was it was great. It was, you know, I know you I probably thought like it was I, too much. Like I, you probably like you overdosed. You probably felt like you I overdosed. I felt like that overdose, but like yeah. anything, I woke up one morning I was like, man, you know, I was ready yeah. to do the podcast. Like, oh wait, we don't have a podcast for like yeah. a week or two. So yeah, you know, I'm not sure how this became about me because that's not what this podcast is. But all of a sudden, Phil, you've made this about about me. But um, that's cool. You know, it's all good. Is what it is. Well, good. Well, I'm glad. Hey, family good? Everything good on your end? You got any exciting news? Well, we survived spring break. I took one of my kids uh, skiing. He and I had never skied before. So a 46-year-old man and 11-year-old boy, uh, our ability to learn is very different. He uh-huh. surpassed me in like an hour and then took the rest of the family a few days later to the Smoky Mountains and did a three-day, two-night camping trip. But uh survived and now yes. we're running through uh the spring warrior way season and that's so, great no rest for the weary man that's fantastic well the good news about that is you the big win is neither of you got hurt i mean the 46 year old man ski slope no injury that's a good thing right no major injury oh okay, e- okay. ego a little bruised and yeah hip a little bruised but okay. no major injuries yeah. okay the 11 year old was fine totally good. fine yeah, of course. He, he's, he could bounce off trees and be fine. He probably did a few times. And did, yeah. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. right. Exactly. Cool. Well, good. Well, we, uh, we, we had a bout of the flu. It wasn't quite as exciting as skiing and going to the Smokies, but we, we uh, hopefully are on the other side of it. My daughter is, is, uh, is just on the, the back end of it, so hopefully she's the last one to get it in the, fa- the house. You know how some, some little bugs go through and hit everyone at the same time? And then others, it's like that month and a half of just one person gets it, and it's like the baton passing, and that's what it's been like with this one, which is <laughs> not the fun way to go about it. But no. anyway, that's not what we're talking today. That's Glad not what we're well. here for. But yeah, we are we are bitten better, and the hope is that today we're going to have someone on who's going to help us be better, not just in you know not getting flus and stuff like that, but in every area of our life. Um, to be able to to just be better and to just be able to have our mindset in the right place to be able to be performing at the highest level. With us is a performance mindset coach, Andrew Simpson, and uh, I was connected with him by uh, Sean uh, Smithson, who connected with me a couple other guys who've been great interviews on this podcast. So we're going to get Sean on at some point in the future as well. But today with us is Andrew Simpson. Andrew, how you doing? 
I'm doing great. I'm just laughing here, sitting, uh, listening to the conversation between you guys. I can't wait for this podcast. This is going to be a lot of fun. <laughs> oh, fantastic. You know, that that's what most people say is just Paul and I, it's just they, they're like rolling all the time. It's, you know, except my wife, of course, and, and Paul's wife. They, they just roll their eyes and go, you guys are idiots. But, you know, that's that's all right. That's all right. You know, that's that's the way it should be, I think. But, uh, you know, how about right now, just if you could just share your story, you know, briefly share your story. Most people probably don't know who you are. But uh, particularly how you developed your passion for sports, for fitness, for mindset, performance coaching, and how you got to be where you are today. Yeah, so sports have been a part of my life my entire life and uh, didn't realize until later on why I gravitated so much towards them. Uh, but, you know, everything from escaping um, escaping things as a kid or finding status and prestige in sports, all the, all those motivators that drive some kids to sports. That's what drove me to sports played my whole life, made a decision. I was going to play in college, play basketball at a D three school right around that same time. I was developing a passion for fitness and for just, you know, trying to get myself a six pack, bigger arms, all those types of things that you want to do as a 18 year old boy, a man, whatever you want to call it. And, uh, I was also, um, transparently at that same time, just, you know, going down a not so great path in life. And so trying to balance going to school and playing sports, uh, but also uh, partying and and just living life kind of off the deep end in a lot of ways, living life dangerously. And so I was able to keep that up for a few years. And then I went to college and wasn't able to keep it up anymore. And so actually, I, I'm not sure how much I could share on this podcast, if I could pretty, be pretty transparent and, and, Go for and real, but uh you know, I almost uh, got kicked out of college for just excessive partying and drinking and um, barely hung on and then decided just the amount of, uh, I guess, emotional frustration that I had gone through with with the team and with the coaches. I decided, you know what, I'm leaving. I'm uh, going to go back and transfer to a community college. So transferred back to a community college at about 20 years old, came across my first ever real mentor in life, um, guy that took me under his wing he was training athletes. He was teaching athletes how to get bigger, faster, stronger, but also had a little mentoring piece to go along with it. And I was like, man, like, this is really cool. I really like what this guy's doing. So he took me under his wing at age 20, started teaching me life lessons, helping me with business, helping me to see a path in potentially leadership and definitely in the fitness industry. And, uh, and that was great. That led me to go get my exercise science degree at Salisbury, where I met my wife. That was the best thing that came from there. Uh, but the rest of it wasn't very helpful. <laughs> and, uh, and so went to Salisbury, got my exercise science degree. And when I came back, uh, I was all in on this, like sports performance, help athletes get bigger, faster, stronger. I love the fitness industry, love everything about it. But I was also coming into my faith at that time. And so I started to see some things in that guy's company, some business practices that weren't aligning with um, what I was coming to find were my values and, and where I wanted to take my life. So I, so I decided to go my own path. I was, I guess, 20, 22, 23 at the time, went my own path, uh, did not want to open my own business. That was not the plan. And God had other plans. And so every single door that was leading to not open my own business closed. And the only ones that left were left open were to open my own business. So I opened up a, a 1500 square foot warehouse, no expectations, 23 years old, found a couple of team members to join me. And man, the... It, the, the roof busted off that place in the first year. Um, a hundred, we went from 10 clients to a hundred clients, helping student athletes, helping them not just with bigger, faster, stronger, but also in life, helping them be better people, 
Uh, we definitely have a passion for that. The business exploded in the first year. And I was like, I guess maybe we're supposed to expand. I'm, I don't know. I guess we're just supposed to keep going, right? Keep, keep making it bigger, making it better. And, uh, you know, I'm sure we'll get into other pieces of the story, but from 2014, when that business opened PFP players, fitness and performance until now we've grown, you know, many, many times over, um, we just continue to be blessed. We continue to be able to impact student athletes and their families now too. And, uh, and written a couple books along the way, just targeting coaches and parents and now athletes as well. And so that brings us to where we are today. There's a lot of things in between. Maybe we'll touch on them throughout this conversation. I'm sure we'll hit a lot of it today. One of the things though, before we get into it, we're going to talk a lot about mental health today. We're going to talk about you and your, you know, your why and all that stuff a bit, bit later. But one of the things that I just wanted to hit on at the beginning for people, because a lot of people hear mental health and mental health is kind of one of those, it seems like a buzzword nowadays. And I, I just want to make sure people understand it's not just some fad. It's not just something that's happening today. Um, what are some common misconceptions about mental health in sports in particular? And, you know, how can we work to overcome those stigmas? I don't know. I don't know if my mind goes directly towards misconceptions. I mean, I think that uh, I guess a, a misconception would be that it's just this one thing, right? This just it's just one thing, right? It's your it's just mental health. But it could be so many different things. It could be how you respond to to emotional challenges in life. It could be could be something deeper that does require a clinical diagnosis or medication. It could be your patterns and your habits of isolating or not letting people in. It could be, I mean, there's so many different components of mental health. So I guess the biggest misconception is that you can just say, Hey athlete, you need to take a mental health day. And then that's going to somehow help, <laughs> right? Just take time off and it's going to help. A lot of the times it's, it's, it's more than that, that there's, there's always more to it. And so I don't like it when people just throw out the term mental health in sports, because it's like, let's really get focused and, and targeted. And again, today during this conversation, we might be able to touch on some of it, but it's like, let's really talk about like, what is this thing that's going on and let's define it, right? Like, let's get really specific with what it is instead of just throwing the blanket, you know, it's a mental health issue over top of it. Yeah, no, that's good. That's good. That's what I talk about with a lot of people is it's it's all these things are, are really nuanced. There's not one thing. There's not one silver bullet. There's not one. Oh, go meditate. You're good to go, you know, or just do this thing. And, you, you know, whatever it is. Right. There's no one answer, you know, and that's with most things in life. Right. But and, and our brain is very complex. So um, definitely something that uh, appreciate. Appreciate that. Mm hmm. So the next thing that, you know, we just want to hit on for you personally is just what is your personal why? Your, your kind of life mission. Why do you do what you do? And uh, how are you living it out? So it comes from a story when I was at that first business uh, working at this big sports complex. It was a big indoor sports center. There was always league games and, and different uh, sporting events going on. And I remember 22 years old, I walked onto, walked into the stands to watch a soccer game. And at the time I, I knew fitness and, and sports performance, that was going to be part of my mission. I loved it. But at this soccer game is when something else deeper was revealed. So I walk into this uh, soccer event and from the, the, the dug or from the uh, sidelines, I hear a coach scream at the top of his lungs. What are you doing, Charlie? That was a stupid decision. What are you doing? Get off the field. Just screamed, braided this kid in front of 
all the fans. And it was a nine-year-old soccer game. Mm. Nine-year-old soccer. This overzealous coach just erupted. And and I felt something like deep inside, like the pit of my stomach, deep inside my heart that was like, man, like I, this is something that touched me deeper than I think it touches other people. Everybody has something, right, that breaks their heart. And you know it when it's something specific for your heart. And so when I when I saw that kid get berated, I had no connection with him, didn't know him, but I was like, man. And I went home that night, wrote a blog, um, didn't even know how to write a blog. I just wrote it and sent it out to the members of, uh, of our gym. And I was like, this isn't right. Like, I can't believe this just happened. And from there, it just led me on a path of seeing coaches mistreat or misuse their power, parents at times unknowingly sabotaging their kids' success by the way that they were screaming at their kids about sports or prioritizing sports above everything else. There's all sorts of, you know, sports parenting issues that exist. And so I just started seeing all these issues with the way student athletes were being led towards honestly a path of destruction at the end of the day is the way I saw it. And uh, I was like, wow, like we got to do something about this. Like we're a business that, that literally makes our money by helping kids get bigger, faster, and stronger so that they hopefully get a scholarship for sports. That's what, you know, the customers think when they come in, but honestly, I feel like we need to battle back against that as a kind of an insurgents type mission. Um, like the, the mission that our business is on, it's my personal mission too. It's like, we want to serve the underserved customer quote unquote, which is really the student athlete. And, uh, so you uniting coaches, parents together, and then the athlete as well to, to do that. That's really become what the mission is to help as many student athletes as possible to help restore the joy, the passion, the positive uh, aspects of sport to the sports industry. And uh, there it's manifested itself in so many different ways. Uh, it's pretty awesome to see how it's taken shape. Yeah. It's that's awesome. Andrew, I have a lot of very, very similar passions when it comes to, you know, how do we, how do we prepare and how do we develop, uh, our athletes. And, and I think one part that's really been overlooked and you hit it is parent education, which overlaps with coaching education. Uh, if we're truly doing this for the kid, for the student athlete, we all need to be members of that. And there's a right way and there's definitely a wrong way to do it. You know, so I, I can appreciate what you're going with. And along those lines, you know, as we're coming up as kids, some of us have been blessed with amazing coaching experiences where we've had great coaches uh, some of us, maybe not as much. And there's a lot of, you know, a lot of differences there through your experience. Who are some of the, who are some of the, your, your, your favorite coaches, you know, what, what made him or her special to you? Yeah. I, I wouldn't say I had a ton of personal coaches growing up that I look back on. I'm like, they changed my life. I had mm -hmm. a couple coaches who were good, but never ones that I remembered a ton of like life lessons or, transformative experiences coming from. So when I look at the coaches who have transformed me the most, it really came after sports. One guy uh, who's been a mentor of mine for a long time, Todd Durkin, um, just the way that he really, the way he carries himself by example and uh, the way he loves people, the way he is present with them. Um, John Wooden, right. never got to meet him personally, but obviously uh, his coaching style, just, I love how intentional he was about everything. I mean, everything the guy did, he was intentional about, right? Like even down to like, let's only have a max of 90 minute practice. I'm going to value your time. You value my time. Let's raise the intensity and focus, shorten the duration. We'll all be healthier and happier if we do it. Like that was one of his principles. And uh, obviously 
John Wooden was one that said he forgot one word in the pyramid, right? He, he missed one word. And if he could go back and, and fix that pyramid, it would have been the word love because uh, love powers over all things. And we believe, and uh, through my books, I've written about this, that, that love, love powered coaching is really doing what is in the best interest of this, the long-term development of the student athlete, whether it inconveniences you or not, right. Doing what is in their best interest, whether it's inconvenient for you or not. And so, yeah, I think John Wooden's one that, that definitely sticks out. Yeah. We've had a lot of, a lot of great conversations on this podcast about John Wooden, some like, like, you and I that never met him and then some that actually personally have worked with him, which has been some really cool conversations, but a definitely a, a very awesome. influential coach. But I think, you know, not to lose sight for our, our, our listeners, you know, you got guys like John Wooden who span time and generations, uh, not to forget that, you know, he started with one player, one team, he was a teacher, you know, we all have that opportunity and if we can, we can affect and, and empower uh, one athlete, we can be happy about that. We don't all have to be the John Woodens of the world. Although uh, actually we don't need many John. We just need one John Wooden. I'm good with that. Uh, we can all just kind of work to help fulfill his mission uh, as well. So I love that. Uh, it's good. I uh, love that you said that. Phil, anything to add on any of that? I just thought it was cool. I mean, it's a good reminder that, you know, a lot of people say, Oh, I, I never had a good coach. So therefore I can't learn these lessons, but to be able to say, no, there's all these different resources we have to be able to learn these lessons from. So, you know, read John Wooden, read about these great coaches, read, you know, biographies of like Mike Krzyzewski and, you know, these different people who have spanned generations and have coached for decades, you know, to read, you know, Ben Anson Dorrance and see what he's done in the world of soccer. We hear these stories and we hear different people and, you know, and some of these people you may be even able to, to reach out to and see if you can get on, you know, a call with if you're a coach and you want to learn from. I mean, we talked about that with uh, uh, one of the past episodes recently, but just, you know, make a call. You never know. Right. You know, we had... Uh, so those, those are things that I just, I just appreciate that, that, you know, to hear that and to have a mentor that you've never met. Now, ideally, the mentor is someone who you're doing life with in some way. But the reality is I've been mentored in tremendous ways by John Wooden, and I met him for about a minute and a half in my life. And, but I still, because I know through other people the man that he was, to be able to read his stuff and know it's not just words on a page. So that was, I thought that was mm -hmm. just really, really good. Just when you said that, it, it drew that out. Yeah. Yeah. Not, not to overlook another great resource guys to, to hear coaches stories and stuff is this podcast itself, you know, go back in the archives. There's some, been some really amazing people we've been blessed to get stories from that. I've, I've gained a ton of mm -hmm. uh, knowledge and information and wisdom from just from, you know, sitting on the other side of a, you know, a screen here. So uh, mm -hmm. some really, really cool stuff out there, you know, through, through, through your career, Andrew, like who, you know, what, what's a, what's kind of a defining moment in your career? I mean, you mentioned a little bit uh, of your story, but was there one defining moment uh, in your career as an athlete that kind of shaped who you are today? As an athlete, I don't think that there was necessarily a defining moment that shaped who I was when I was playing. Uh, but as far as my career coaching and coaching athletes, I would say a huge defining moment came in 2016 when a parent called me up frantic, um, just, I mean, unraveling about how her daughter 
Uh, she had watched it for the last time last night at, the, at a game. Her daughter had made one mistake and then got in her head and then started to beat herself up and body language was terrible. And then her coach pulled her out and she couldn't stop beating herself up. She was crying. And so this mom was just frantic and she was like, you know, can you help her? And I was like, man, like we've gotten this girl a 27 inch vertical jump. This girl's a 4.0 student. We've helped her do all these things. And yet we're not helping her with arguably the most important aspect that's going to stop her from being her best in sports and life. And that is her mindset, her mental health, her mindset, her ability to get out of her head. Um, up to that point, it was like, we were great at telling athletes, Hey, stop overthinking or, Hey, get out of your head or, Hey, you know, do these things, but not actually giving them the tools, resources, and, and mindset shifts to be able to, to change it. And so man, 2016, that transformed everything about the way we coached athletes. Myself and our coaches went on this journey to learn sports psychology, um, behavioral change, all the things that maybe a personal trainer would never learn about. <laughs> we were like, we got to learn this piece because if we can't get this right, then all we're just doing is adding to the problem. So that was a, a huge defining moment for, for me as a coach is to realize like, if I'm really going to help these kids, I can't just be focused on what I like to focus on. I got to focus on what they need most. Yeah. You know, that's the big reason why we do this podcast. You know, it's to remind coaches, it's to remind parents that this, this is a whole lot more than just X's and O's and getting, doing well on a, on a court, on a field, on a whatever, because it's, it's something that if you, not only mindset, but these are lessons that should be teaching us about the rest of our lives too. And, and if we're so stressed about the performance on the court, on the field, then we will miss those lessons. We will miss those different things that we can learn from from these games, from these sports that that at the end of the day are games. They're just they're they're just games, and you know, and they can teach us so much about life, though. And so, on that note, you know, what what is a lesson, or you know, two maybe, but but that you've learned from sports, from playing the games, you know, from whatever, or just from sports themselves, whether it's playing or coaching, that you've used in your coaching business, so that you've taken from the from the field, from the court to your business. Mm. Yeah. I think of different things from an aspect of like teamwork and leadership all the way to um, very practical things that, uh, that an athlete would do in a game. Um, you know, I, I watch the way some teams, this is more on the team side of things, but I watch the way teams operate. And obviously the, the, the best teams uh, are often the loudest teams, the most encouraging teams, uh, the best teams win, not the best players. And one of the things that we took from sports or from that world and have applied in our business is something called the five enemies of team unity. And we've actually helped other sports teams and businesses utilize these same things and watch the winning explode. And so these five enemies of team unity, they're so simple, poor communication, gossip, lack of a shared purpose, unresolved disagreements. And then the fifth one is sanctioned incompetence. And so Sports, I really think that when you watch us, uh, the way a healthy, high-performing sports team operates in the locker room behind closed doors, uh, you can really draw some great conclusions out of it. And then that's ultimately how I think an individual performer plays well, too, is, is helps to uh, eradicate those five enemies from within their team. Yeah. I like that. Let, let's, get, let's dive into some of the nitty-gritty, Andrew, a little bit here. Um, and dive into your world a little bit more. We've got some great background. We know, we know you, we know kind of where you've come from. We know, we know that stuff. Let's dive into some nitty gritty. Let's get into your head a little bit. 
uh, not in a bad way, but let's get in your head and, and pull out some, <laughs> some, some info here that can help me as a coach and help uh, maybe some of our athletes and coaches and parents that are listening here. Like, let's start with what, what are some of the uh, most common minced mental obstacles that high school college athletes face? How are you helping them through that to, to fulfill their, their potential? Let, let's start with just the basics. So what are some of the common things that you see mostly in these high school and college athletes? Yeah, I think one is beating themselves up for mistakes, right? And, and just uh, day to day making the minor setbacks in their minds feel like these huge, huge life altering, right? Things that happen to them. And so uh, one of the things that we do to help shift that is compare yourself to who you were yesterday, not to who uh, someone else is today or not to who you want to be tomorrow. And that second piece is really key for an athlete because if an athlete has this bigger and better ideal future in their mind, right? Most athletes do. They've got college sports, or professional sports, they've got that in their mind. Well, the gap between where you are today and that bigger and better ideal future is huge, right? And the more you focus on that gap as an athlete, the worse you feel. And I ask athletes this all the time, at least a, a dozen times a week during these different training sessions we do. But it's, you know, when you focus on how far you fall short from where you are today to where you want to be in the future future, what do you feel? Uh, coach, I feel overwhelmed. I feel like I can't do it. I feel discouraged. Um, I feel uh, anxious, like all these feelings that, I mean, honestly, if you, if you feel those feelings too often, are you going to perform well as an athlete? No, because no. feelings are, feelings are your fuel as an athlete, right? Your emotions are your fuel. And so we try to actually shift away from like, let's change your thoughts to no, like we got to get a hold of like your emotional state because your emotional state, if you feel lousy, if you feel anxious, that's going to determine your performance. And so part of what plagues an athlete emotionally is their obsession with how far they fall short. And so that's great to focus on the gap because it does make you motivated but more than motivated, all those other emotions I just explained are the result of focusing on the gap. Whereas athletes who tend to perform their best, even at the professional level, they have mastered the art of balancing, focusing on the gap, but also locking in on the gain, right? Where have you saw gain? And so I ask athletes, Hey, tell me the five things you're most proud of in your life, or tell me three things that you accomplished in the last season of sports that are progress and it takes them so long. It is sad. Like they, they, they can't find anything. And then after like 20 minutes of sitting there, making them find something, eventually their brain starts to find the things that it's like, Oh, you know what? Like my shot got better last season, or I got a little bit faster between last season and this season, or, you know what? I had a couple of really good, strong games in a row and it gave me some momentum, whatever the case it's like, getting them to learn how to focus their precious mind and attention on where they've made progress. Some people think it's like, well, well, aren't you supposed to like, you know, forget about your successes and just focus on what's ahead. Cause that's all that matters. Like, yeah. If you want to be miserable, your entire sports career, <laughs> like what, what does a sports career of chronically being dissatisfied all the time? Like, what does that career sound like? It sounds like a career where you were dissatisfied all the time and you were, you know, so, so teaching them to reflect positively on, and we go daily, like what happened yesterday? That was a win, something positive. Let's 
retrain your mind to focus on something good. Look for what, what is rather than what isn't, because we know that the brain, the human brain, it naturally defaults to look for what's missing, what's not good, what's not right, where I fall short. That's what our brain naturally does. And the adolescent mind, even more so as adults, we, some of us have learned how to start to shift that. But again, just going back to the exercise, it's, you know, what did you do yesterday? That was great. Where did you make progress yesterday? Did you overcome anything? Did you get out of your comfort zone yesterday? Like, let's talk about the wins from yesterday. What about last week? Let's do this weekly as well. And then even seasonally, right? Let's reflect on your previous season, find out where you made progress. And over time, that starts to build some momentum and helps them to look for what is possible rather than just problems or issues. Yeah, you talked a little bit about at the beginning uh, about kind of comparison, how you compare yourself to the, 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 the athlete you want to be far in the future, things like that. How about the idea of the, the comparison trap of obviously comparing yourself to a player you want to, to be, the person who has the position ahead of you, you want to, to be them when in reality, you probably just need to be who you are. But also, I guess more of my question, what I want to ask is how, how much are you having to talk about the, the comparison trap that's in front of these kids every day through social media, mm-hmm. seeing the successes of everyone else around them. And then they feed into that maybe feeds into their thought process of, man, I'll never be that good because you never see anybody else's mistakes, but you focus on yours. Are you having to battle the social media piece piece of this at all with your athletes? Yeah, we do. And we do a 21 day progressive social media detox with the athletes too, that helps them to (laughs) recognize like how, how great life is when you're not looking at that. But uh, a layer deeper than that for an athlete is um, when you look at the ones who can be on social media and still be okay and not compare themselves to others. Those are the kids that are super locked in on and clear about what they want, what their goals are. They have a plan on how they're going to achieve it. But then most importantly, those are the kids that know why they're after that goal. They've actually done the work to figure out like, what am I really after? What is my legacy going to be about in sports? Um, What do I want to be true by the end of this season? What really matters to me? Is it being a good teammate? Is it showing up every day, giving the best that I can? It's like the kids who can be on social media and still be okay are the ones that are very, very clear. And they've done the hard work already of uh, knowing who they are and, and what they're after. Would you, would you say those are your, your one percenters? They're the kids. That uh, yes. Just... And we're, and we're, yeah, we're trying to make that more right. like 5%, right. Or 10%. To- oh, but totally, that's exactly totally, right. Totally. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Right. Like, Hey, here's what sets these athletes apart. You know, it, it's physical, it's mental. It's, you know, there's, there's a lot, a lot there. I, I want to share a scenario yeah. with you and, and kind of, uh, cause I, this, I, this is, I love, I love the stuff that you do. Um, let's talk about a little bit of, of helping athletes battle massive change in circumstances, right? Uh, I work with obviously high school age kids. I work with college kids. You see a lot of change when you've got coaching changes, you've got kids who aren't happy. So they enter the portal, which has become a big, a big thing. So working with an athlete not too long ago uh, and, and they're going through a, a coaching change, right? So they're recruited by one coach. Now there's a new coach there. And the new coach doesn't value them as much as the old coach, right? So it's like, oh my gosh, like I'm no good. I, I'm no good. I'm like, wait a minute, what? You know, you're you're playing a at a high level university, and all of a sudden you're no good because someone's opinion is 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 different than someone else's. Hmm. You know, like how do you how do you help navigate that with athletes that uh, obviously 
they're great athletes. There's just someone has a different opinion based on what they want to do with the team. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just different. But also that self-worth is like, man, I'm, I'm no good anymore. How do you, mm-hmm. how do you work with kids to kind of rebuild that, that, that mindset for them? Yeah, that's a loaded one. I mean, I think that one of the things is, uh, well, I think like I mentioned before, like helping them have a basic understanding of why their brain goes towards what it goes towards and what their brain defaults to. And, and they know like, Hey, when a, when a challenge arises, I know that what my brain's going to try to do is search for the problem, search for who to blame, search for, right. So, and then I'm going to have to do some hard work to actually be proactive and positive about this. So it's like knowing that to begin with, but then from that, I've got a chapter in my new book called uh, taking back control of what things mean to me. And if you can take back control of what things mean to you, then you're on the right track. Best example is uh, I had four college D1 lacrosse girls that I had trained for for quite a few years. They went away to college. I didn't prepare them properly as far as what I'm about to share with you goes. They go to college. They show up. Well, the coach that recruited them isn't the same coach that's there, if you know what I mean, mm-hmm. right? It's, yeah. it's the same coach, but not the same coach. So yeah. uh, th- these girls get there. And they got crushed mentally and emotionally. I mean, these coaches and man, I've been around some bad ones, but like these coaches literally from what the girls told me, they would look at them and tell them like, you are worthless. Like, why did you think that you could play division one sports thinking that they were motivating these girls? Not definitely not motivating them. And uh, it just beat them down, beat them down. Well, these girls came back after their season in the spring for summer training And I could just see the look on their faces. I was like, wow, we're going to have to really work through something like what happened this year. So we came back into a conference room, just like the one I'm in. We sat around the table, no workout today. Let's just talk through this and figure out where you're at. And all these girls are just bawling. I mean, I'm sitting around a table with four division one female college athletes just crying. I grew up with two sisters, so I I could handle it. Uh, But (laughs) anyway, they, uh, you know, they're, they're sharing with me, like my coach, this, they did this to us. Like, I can't believe the coach was like this. Why were they like this? And they all went around and shared and I was hearing them out. And then afterwards I said, honestly, I'm so sorry that you guys had this experience. You've worked your whole life and you expected out of all people, your coach would be supportive and encouraging and it didn't meet your expectations. And I really am sorry for that. But what I'm most sorry about is you haven't found yet a way to be genuinely grateful for this situation mm-hmm. and for your coaches. And they all looked at me like they wanted to kill me. And they, a couple of them were like, I don't understand what you're even saying right now. Maybe hateful, certainly not grateful for these coaches. And that's when I got to, to start the process of helping them make a decision, right? Am I going to Am I going to continue to point the finger and blame or am I going to say, you know what, this happened to me, right? This happened. This was terrible. This was awful. And it's because of these coaches that I now get a chance to develop. I get to now pass this on, not let another freshman on the team next year go through what I went through. I get to, when I become a coach someday, I'm going to become a way better coach and I'm going to learn from this. Like it's because of these coaches that I'm building up some stronger mental skills and emotional skills that are going to just on and on and on. Like we went through all these things. It's like, so what are you going to do now? Like, are you going to listen to your friends and family who are honestly just fanning the flame and, and encouraging you to be mad, right? Mm -hmm. Like get, and you're the, the, the thing about it was that I tried to teach him was you are completely justified. If you want to leave this room today, you're completely justified to point the finger at that coach and say, that coach was awful. And it's because of that coach that I had a bad experience. You're justified, but what you're justified to do isn't always helpful, is it? So instead, we could be asking the question, what can I now do with this? 
right? What's my next play? Am I going to show back up next year? Am I going to quit the team? Am I going to transfer to another school? Like you've got options. And I would, I would, I would submit to you that only one of those options is the wrong one. And that is to stay planted right where you are at that school to not take any kind of accountability for what's about to happen next in your life. And just say, it's because of this coach that I'm going to have the worst four years of my life. And again, you'd be justified to do so, but I don't think that's going to help you long-term. And so taking back control of what things mean to you and then what you do with them is a really, really important thing. These athletes need to learn how to do. Yeah. I like that. Taking back uh, what things mean to you. I like, I like that statement. It kind of adds on to something that I've, I've learned and, and, and say to athletes as well, which is uh, you can't really control what's happened in the past. It's happened, but you can absolutely, you're in full control of how you're going to respond to it moving forward, which I think is kind of what you're, what you're saying. Yeah. And it's, I think it's, you have to lead with the questions with these athletes too, because they've heard the same things from parents and coaches growing up their entire lives, right? It's not what happened to you. It's how you respond. It's like, they've heard these things so many times, but instead asking them, Hey, do you feel like this is catastrophic or could this potentially be catalytic? How could, how could this actually catalyze your future and make you stronger? And then, Mm -hmm. and then giving them an opportunity to start to, again, use their brain to look for things that could be good from it. Um, Cause we can, we're so good at telling them how to think and what to think, but man, if we use these experiences that they have, the bad ones, like you were talking about where things didn't go as planned, if we can use these experiences to ev- help these kids evaluate the experiences by asking them the right questions to think through, then it changes their life. Cause experiences don't change you. Strong evaluated experiences are what can change you, I believe. Yeah, it's a lot of good stuff. A lot to chew on there. Um, you know, I I love it. And it reminds me of something you and I talked about when we were re- or the initial conversation we had where you just you said and you said that in there, but it's the idea of even if my coach doesn't change, I have the power to change. Right. Mm-hmm. And I've heard we've all heard that, you know, us as coaches too. And we're the same coach with all these different people, and some really click with us, and others think we're the worst coach in the history of the world. You know, and and that maybe that's a little strong, but they, you know, they just don't they don't appreciate whatever, and and so I think you hit something there that was really important, which is the idea that parents, if you're listening to this, don't pile on. It's not helpful for you to come behind it and just trash talk the coach and just tell tell your your kid how bad they are. And yeah, you know, like you said, you're justified in it. But just because something permissible doesn't mean it's helpful, right? Uh, mm-hmm. A different Paul a few hundred years ago talked about that idea. Um, you know, in, in that idea of, you know, yeah, of course it's permissible. Of course you can do that. And maybe that is totally justified. But is that what's going to make the next step the right, the, the right next step? Or is the mm-hmm. right next step? Because that, that's not going to get any better. You're just going to be in a pit, of, go deeper into that pit of despair. You know, and you, you talked about that, like just the coach is a different coach that was there when they arrived than the one that was recruiting them. Well, welcome to life, you know? Like I remember right. as a lawyer, the summer associate position was the whining and dining. They'd take you in. They'd take an entire summer, not just one recruiting trip. And they were showing how great they are and how everything is. And then you get there as an actual lawyer and it's... Very, very, very different, you know, and then you're billing and you're working and you're slaving and they basically own you. And that's the reality. And that's something that if you go into it with these, you know, rose colored glasses, you're going to be quickly crushed by that. And and the reality is it is cutthroat in a lot of these places. And you got to know that. And that's where I think doing your homework on the front end too helps too, right? So, but anyway, that's a whole 
whole different conversation that, you know, I think we could we could talk about that if this was a recruiting show. But, you know, this is more <laughs> the idea of how can we get the leadership lessons out of it. And so, you know, you, you've written, you, you mentioned the, the Mindset Hacks book that you have now. Can you just talk about the two books that you have written? Two books, right, that you've written? Yeah. Um, yep. Yeah, the two books that you've written. And just, you know, why you wrote each of them and what you hope readers will get out of them. Yeah, so the first one uh, was written, I mentioned my experience uh, at that nine-year-old soccer game. The first one was about a four-year, four years in the making. And what, what prompted me to finally put pen to paper and start writing it was my dad had passed away from a really awful battle with cancer. And I was reading a devotional by Mark Batterson. Uh, who said the reason why he writes books isn't for this generation. He writes books for his children's 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 children so that they know what their great, 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 great grandfather stood for. And he believed that everybody has a unique message in life, unique experiences. And so your message truly will never, ever be shared by anybody else in the history of the world. And so if you don't share it, no one else will. And man, when my dad passed away, it reminded me of the fragility of life. And so I started writing it. And it was really just, it was written to coaches and parents to address all the problems happening in youth sports, everything from parents fist fighting at games to, um, which is just crazy, um, to, <laughs> to, right. I mean, to the, to the issues we talked about before with coaches and opportunities, right. Opportunities to shine a light. I can't tell you how many parents and coaches have read the book who were the worst offenders of everything in the book who were like, man, I didn't realize that that's what I was doing to my kid, or I didn't realize that there was a different way to do things as a coach. Um, I didn't realize that I could maybe after a game was over and after my athletes were dead tired, um, I didn't have to talk to them for an hour afterwards. I could actually just send them home and, and let them reflect, right? There's all these different principles in the book. So that first book, The Youth Truth, written to coaches and parents, and then the end of that book, I shared a bunch of like 30, I think it's 33 mental game exercises that you can do with your players. So I gave all like the practical mindset coaching stuff. And then last year, when it seemed like in a span of two months, there was about six or seven college athletes that had uh, taken their own lives. Uh, there were so many suicides occurring at the collegiate athlete level. And we had an organization reach out to us, a mental health organization reach out to us, a gym, and was like, hey, are you guys going to do anything about this? We feel like this is in your, your wheelhouse to, uh, to affect change here. So we ended up hosting this huge event at our gym called Take Back Control. And it was all about, and we had over 200 athletes, parents, coaches come out, and it was all about uh, equipping, equipping and empowering the student athlete to take back control of their own mindset, of their emotions, and really their experience in sports. So that again, even if they had the worst coach who never changed, the parents who kept putting pressure on them, or a sports society that just continued to, to value all the things that led you to anxiety, um, even if all that remained unchanged, they could take back control and change. And we're like, you know what? Like, at 15, 16, 17 years old, like these kids, they're mature enough to understand these concepts. You know, like they really can. I mean, I've even had 11 year olds that could take some of these concepts about mindset and psychology and apply them immediately and get a lot of bang or get a lot of benefit out of them. And so we held, held this event. It was awesome. I was like, man, that was great. What's next? And then it was like, okay, a book, got to write a book about it. And so that's where I took these principles that we had been teaching athletes in our mindset coaching program 
we took all these lessons and principles and put them into the seven mindset packs. And so that's how that book came about. The, the most recent one that just came out was just from uh, wanting to empower and equip the student athlete directly. So the book is literally called athlete. I'm talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now there's a lot, a lot of good stuff, um, in both of them. And I encourage you folks. The good news is like, we can't get into all of it on this show. That's not the good news. That's the bad news. The good news is you can pick up these books and <clears throat> pick them both up on Amazon. Yeah. Yeah. If they go to my website, they're both going to be there and you'll get all the bonus resources and whatnot. Andrew J Simpson.com. Yep. Yeah, there's lots of bonus resources. I think it's a couple hundred bucks in bonus bonus stuff. You pay 20 bucks or so for the book, and you get a couple hundred dollars worth of stuff. Really great resources that you'll be able to, to use and for you, for your, for your athlete. And on that note, you know, I think it's really important to hear, and we've, we've kind of alluded to this throughout the conversation, but it's why we do the Coaching the Bigger Game program. It's why, you know, we talk to coaches through this podcast to remind them about the lessons that we should be teaching our players through these sports. But oftentimes, we as coaches and we as parents forget that these mental health issues are ours as well and are ours that we have to be coached on and dealt and deal with these things in our lives too. And if we're not healthy, then we'll probably pass that into our children, whether it's as a coach or as a parent. Can you speak to that for a bit? Yeah. I mean, it just reminded me of a book that I'm, I just picked up a new book. Um, it's funny. I, we all just get books thrown at us all the time, right? Like yeah. all the, all the listeners just got two and then I'm going to throw another one out there and I'm only shoot. 30 pages into this book, but it's, it's called emotionally healthy spirituality. Yep. And, uh, yeah. And it's just like, it, it speaks to exactly what you were just talking about, which is we can throw, and this makes me even think of my own coaching program that we do here at PFP, but you can throw mindset training and the Bible and, and coaching lessons and all these evaluated experiences, you can throw all of them on top of somebody who emotionally is quote unquote dysfunctional, has unaddressed wounds, has unaddressed traumas, had unaddressed things emotionally that they've never dealt with. And you can throw all these things on top of that. And it actually makes the person function a lot better, but it doesn't change the fact that they haven't done the work to figure out like, where does this anger come from my athlete that always seems to result in anger on the field or, uh, that my, my athlete always withdraws and gets depressed when things don't go their way and is anxious all the time. Like these emotions come from somewhere. And so evaluating that piece and doing the work there is, is probably where it's valuable for all of us to have a good, strong therapist of some sort to work through our past. And uh, I don't even remember if that's exactly the question you asked, Phil, but that's what it made me think of is this book that I picked up. Yeah, it's just more the the idea of how are you are you working? I know your book, your first book was written to coaches and parents. So the idea that yeah. coaches and parents need to be emotionally healthy, need mm. to be, you know, I love that book, by the way. We actually went through it mm. with a group of CEOs. It was just what we went through as a study together. And it's so, so solid. Definitely highly recommend that book for anybody out there. It's actually written by a pastor who, who actually had a breakdown and, and has written a lot about it and has talked a lot about it and the importance of being healthy. And I think we as leaders and parents are leaders that we need to understand that our health, our, our, you know, if we're not taking the time to be healthy ourselves, cause we're pouring into others so much that we won't be able to do it in a way that's healthy. 
and it likely will lead to kind of more toxicity on the on whoever we're training and leading into or pouring into. So yeah, I mean, do you do you agree with that? Yeah, and I think that one of the ways you can like so I, I a lot of the times like parents will again it's like they give 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 to their kids they do everything for their kids and and one of the symptoms that you know that they're doing that but they're not healthy themselves is they're chronically stressed they're chronically anxious themselves they're chronically dissatisfied themselves but they're doing all these things for their kids and coach so that kind of feels like makes them feel a little bit full sometimes and uh, I'll, I'll never forget, I was interviewing this one mom who's an entrepreneur, successful businesswoman, has two kids who play sports. And uh, her daughter was going through a really challenging time in her recruiting for, for college volleyball. And she was just getting crushed. And this mom was like, she was sad for her daughter, but she was still okay. And I was like, man, like, how are you like such a strong parent through this? You don't feel the need to jump in and save the day. You're not going after the coach. You're not like, ha- like, how are you doing it? She goes, Andrew, I've got my own goals. She goes, I've got my own goals in life. I've got things that I'm striving for. I'm working on myself every day. And my daughter sees that. And so I don't need, I don't need her to make it to division one college volleyball to feel full myself. Cause again, I'm, I'm pursuing my own success in my own life still. And I was like, wow, like that was a huge, I mean, wake up Mm -hmm. call of Mm -hmm. not that you, not that you shouldn't continue to serve your kids unconditionally and, and servant leadership all day. Like we're supposed to model that too. But before we do that, we got to model what taking care of ourselves looks like, and then they'll do the same. They will, they will hundred percent do what they see before what we say all day. Yeah, Definitely. And then the, you, you have a little, little Hannah, you can go to, to Andrew's website and you can get this, but can you just, just hit on, you have three different things that are mistakes parents make in the, in the lives of their children, you know, their student athletes in their own home. Can you just hit on, you know, one or a couple of them, but just the idea there so people can get an idea of what one of the mistakes are and parents out there, you're probably going to be able to relate with this at some level. So can you just hit on one of them and then they can go get the rest of them at the, at the website? Yeah. I mean the, I know which one you're talking about, the the three things that 98% of parents do that uh, yeah. are causing their, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I'm trying to, res- that, that's a little bit deeper and they, I go into the detail. I think the higher level things about, about that, that parents do one of them is like pregame reminders, pregame, um, pregame pump up speeches, that kind of stuff, sending, sending your kid those things uh, because you want to see them succeed, but really what it causes them to do is overthink, right? So sending your kid those again, pregame reminders too. It's like, how, uh, how much can you, can you take away their intelligence of the game by telling them, Hey, don't forget to do this spin move. Hey, don't forget to follow through. It's like mom, dad, like the past like two years, I've been practicing that. Like I've been, <laughs> you've been paying for it. Like I'm good. All right. It just causes them to overthink. So that's one of them. Um, another one is, uh, uh, post-game critiques, right. Talking about the game on the drive home from the game, talking about the game at the dinner table. It just literally, it makes them think that and believe in their heart that there's nothing that matters more than sports, uh, because what we, what we spend the most time talking about and, uh, and spending time on is, is one of the things that shows what we value most. And so, yeah, don't do that. Don't yell from the bleachers and the stands. That's another no, no. Um, just refrain. I just actually, this past weekend, my kid is in karate, my son, my four-year-old's in karate and man, he is like not athletic, even a little bit. It's so funny because mm-hmm. everyone's like, man, you train athletes and teach them how mm-hmm. to be athletic and your kid is. And it's so funny. Cause right now, like they, so they're teaching, they don't, they didn't teach him actually. That was the, the, the part about it. Um, uh, but they say, okay, uh, kids 
do crab walks across the room. He doesn't know how to do a crab walk. He's never been taught how to do a crab walk. And he just like scoots across the floor and every other kid finishes. And then like five minutes later, he's still like halfway across the floor. And the teachers aren't instructing him, not teaching him, not like getting down next to him, showing him how to do it. I was like just sitting there. I was like, oh, my gosh, are you going to at least like help him or tell him to get up and walk across the room? And then they say army crawls. And he's not using his legs. He's just using his arms. Like he's just going so slow. Same thing happened. Teachers didn't instruct him, didn't teach him. I'm like, gosh, he's four. Like at least show him one time how to do it and then I'll probably get it. But I didn't say anything. I just sat back. And you know what happened? Nothing. He didn't care. It, was, it wasn't a big deal to him. Right. And I was, I, I was reminded that the reason why we yell at our kids from the sidelines sometimes, it's actually not for their benefit. It's to get something off of our own chest, right? It's to satisfy our own emotional need to let it out. And so I was like, man, if I would have, if I would have said something, it literally wouldn't have been for his benefit. It would have just been me. (laughs) Yeah. So that's another one yelling from the sidelines. Yeah. That's some good stuff, you know, and, and I know Paul and I both are parents and, and coaches. And oftentimes what I find is I, I am a much better coach than a player in most things in life. And uh, so I will tell people about all these great things and then get caught up in any game. And so parents, give yourself (laughs) some grace, too. If you say something, if you do something, and, you know, as a coach as well, I actually personally ask permission to talk with my kids about this. Do you want me to talk about the game, what I saw, what you want me? Because as a coach, I did see things and I and they know that I saw things. But still to ask that permission of them and not just assume they want to hear it. And sometimes they say, no, I, I just don't know. I don't really want to hear it. I, I know what I did wrong. And other times they're like, yeah, I do. And, and to know each kid too. I think you said that in there. There's like one or two percent or three percent, whatever, of parents who maybe have that coach relationship. And it is rare. And But I still, even if you have that relationship, parents, I would say ask for permission each and every time. Because sometimes they may not just be, in, they just might not be in the mood for it. And they're just so bummed or whatever. They just want to talk about anything else. And so, and just remember that from your career as well, if you were an athlete, that there's some games that you just like, I just don't even want to talk about it. Let's just, yeah. let's just go to a movie, you know. I was just going to relate to something else. I thought the same thing about my for my first son that he wasn't athletic at all when he was that age he's turned out to be a decent athlete so uh there's hope you know (laughs) four-year-olds the jury i thought the same this one's just going to be you know not my athlete that's fine we'll work through it you know not a problem he's turned out to be an okay athlete so there's hope man there's hope you know encouragement to all parents who who think their kids may not be athletic there's time you know so as a coach you know maybe maybe he'll he'll get his athleticism It'll click in at, at certain times. Some kids read faster than others. Some kids pick up math faster than others. Some kids pick up their athleticism earlier than others too. That's so um, there's yeah, hope. There's still good. hope, man. Don't don't give up hope. Well, um, well, Paul, you and I, you and I have a problem. We we married way better athletes than ourselves. So like our kids have a 50-50 <laughs> shot of being good athletes. You know. So we'll we'll, totally. we'll see. You know. So. Totally. So, well, my wife's such a strong athlete, and so is yours. I think it's probably like 60 40 that they're yeah. going to be athletes. Yeah, maybe that's those true. Those genes are way stronger than mine. <laughs> so, I'm going to give it give it to her. That's uh, true. On that one. That's true. It, Good point. Andrew, Andrew, uh, we talked we talked a little bit about this, but you've got uh, your new book, Take Back Control Seven Mindset Hacks to Dominate in Sports and Life. And I think you've kind of talked about some of these hacks through some of this. Is, is there one? 
you know, because we're, we're running low on time, we want to respect your time here. Is there, is there one of those hacks that you could share with us that stands out more to you than maybe some others that you, you'd like to share with our listeners? Because I think it's some really good stuff in there and maybe it'll lead them to, to maybe going in and reading the book. Yeah, I'll share one fun one that's uh, helped a lot of athletes with something practical. And then I'll share the one that I think is probably the most important. The fun one is take back control of your actions and reactions. Uh, I get to work with athletes who, you know, they have their coaches that do something that they didn't want their coaches to do, like pull them out of the game or, or not start them in a game. And I teach uh, the over under reaction uh, and how, what does a what does a reaction look like that is so outside of what your coach thought was going to be a reaction that it's like over the top? Like they're like, what did they, what did they just do? And it's even funnier when we do it with the kid and the parent. So um, I'll share a coach example than a parent example. So we had this kid who came in for some mindset coaching. He wanted to play division one lacrosse, uh, but he kept getting in his head and he actually had a lot of like frustration in ho- at his home life and arguments nonstop with his parents that were spilling over to, into his performance. And so it's the funniest thing is uh, his dad would always like get on him about not mowing the grass or, or not cleaning his room or, or, you know, whatever. And, and, uh, and I was like, well, so what do you do when your dad like yells at you that you didn't mow the grass? He's like, well, I yell back and we fight for like two hours. I'm like, and then what happens? Uh, Well, I go mow the grass. Uh, Okay. So (laughs) I said, so, so let me ask you this. What is the day of the week that he wants you to mow the grass? He said, well, it's usually Wednesdays and Saturdays. Okay. So on Friday, go out and mow the grass without him knowing. And then wait to see what happens on Saturday. His dad comes in Saturday. Hey, you got to mow the grass. He just calmly looked at his dad and say, oh, don't worry, dad. I already did it. And it was this over under reaction that took his dad back. Like, wait, what? You already mowed the grass? And the same thing happens like with a kid who uh, their parent says, go clean your room. I don't want to clean my room. What if instead, next time you just looked at them and said, gotcha, mom, no problem. Or your coach pulls you out of the game and you said, got it, coach. I needed a break. Thanks. I'll be good to go in just a minute. Like these, these, these pre-planned responses, reactions, and, <laughs> and uh, it's just a funny thing to watch kids when they, uh, when they learn this and then they come back, they're like, it worked. We didn't even fight and I got back in the game quicker or, you know, the, whatever the case. So that's, that's one of the funnier ones. Take back control of your actions and reactions. It also has serious implications. Uh, but I think above all, man, it's, it's the last chapter is uh, take back control of your self-worth and identity and where you're going to pull that from. I had this athlete uh, that's a division one athlete and she plays softball. And during her freshman year, first couple of practices or first couple of games, she didn't get any playing time. And she was all distraught. She was so, so down on herself. Um, she used to be the best. Now she's not the best anymore. And she made some decisions right then and there about her, her legacy as an athlete, what she wanted her legacy to be about and, uh, and what really mattered most to her. And then she came to the conclusion that sports are temporary, right? She's like, you know what? The wins are temporary and so are the losses, you know? So when I have great games and when things are going, when I'm, when I'm on top of the world, I'm going to remind myself it's all temporary. And then when I've got bad games and bad at bats and things aren't going my way, I'm also going to remind myself it's all temporary. And so she never let herself get too high or too low. And when I asked her one day, I'm like, what's like at the root of this? Like, how did you make this decision at such a young age? And she was like, you know what? Like I'm more than a softball player. This isn't my life. This is just what I do. It's, it's what I do. It's not who I am. And when she shared that with me, it was just a great reminder. Like, 
our value as a softball player, it is determined by our coach. At the end of the day, that, that, that is what it is. Like your value as a softball player, as an athlete, it's determined by your coach. And that's perfectly fair, right? Because they're the coach. And if you want to go to a different team, cause you don't agree with what they're valuing you at as a softball player, you can do that, but never, ever, ever let your value in a position equate to your value as a person. Cause your coach does not get to determine what your value as a person is. He gets to determine your value in a position. And so separating those two for a, a young athlete as early as you can and helping them realize like your value as a student, it is determined by your teacher. It just is. And if you don't like it, you know, you can go to a new school, but your value as a person, there's only one that can determine that. Right. And it's, it's not a coach. It's not a teacher. Yeah, there's some great, great stuff in there, Andrew, and just encourage folks to go and, and pick up your books. And of course, we'll have links in the in the show notes to to your website and, and to so they can learn more about you and have an opportunity to, to pick up your books. And I appreciate you sharing that. But as my as my good friend and partner here, Phil Dark, always says, all good things must come to an end. And we're winding down our time here. And uh, but always love to wrap up with a couple of questions we ask all of our all of our guests. And the first one is, what lessons have you learned directly from sports that you've used in your marriage and parenting directly? Like Phil's family the in the soccer world, the retaliator gets the red is one that he always says. So what are some life lessons uh, that take directly from sport, any sport uh, that you use directly maybe in your in your marriage and, and parenting? What, what was it? The retaliator gets the what? Gets the, the red, red card. Red card. Yeah. So the referee doesn't always see the initial foul, but if the kid, re- if the kid reacts and retaliates and punches that that's the kid that usually gets ejected out of the game. So the retaliator gets the rep. <laughs> that's really good. <laughs> All right. So marriage, let's go there first. So I've been married for uh, six years now. I guess the first lesson is don't forget important dates. That's an important one, you know, show up on time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, in marriage, I think too, it's uh, it's give first right? It's give first. And as an athlete, if you show up to serve and you show up to help the team, it always ends up coming back to you tenfold. So give first, then receive, um, in, in parents or in marriage. And then what was the second one? Parenting. Parenting. Yeah. Parenting. Don't, um, don't pull your kid directly out of the karate match just cause he doesn't seem athletic and can't do crab walks. <laughs> yeah. Um, give, I think it's give yourself grace because man, it, yeah. in my book and I, I left out Phil, one of the things, one of the five or three things, but there's, there's two other ones that sports parents should stop doing. Uh, we made it part of the say nothing challenge was no bribes, mm-hmm. right? Don't, mm. don't bribe your yeah. athlete. If you, if you score two goals, I'll give you this. Well, man, having a four-year-old and a one-year-old, I just realized like how often you, you break your own rules, right? It's like anything to, to just be quiet for one minute. Like I'll give you the lollipop. I'll give you the TV, whatever. And, uh, and so I would say, uh, grace, grace for yourself and grace for others is very important awesome. because you're not as perfect as you think. And it's easier oh, to say awesome. than to, than to do it. That's so funny. Yeah. That's such, yeah. And that, I, when I was reading that chapter, I was laughing so hard because my wife and I were so, we were both, you know, my wife played D1 and she was, she was always at whatever. And she never got bribed in, in, as far as she remembers. And I don't remember either ever having that in mind. I'm like, we're never going to do that. And then our, our third kid was like, she showed no interest in soccer or really any other sport at, when she was four, five, or six. My wife, she told me this after the fact. I never knew she did this. She says, yeah, at one point I told her, if you just touch the ball, 
I'll give you $20. Like if you kick the ball during the game. Because <laughs> she would just, like, she wasn't even moving. And she was like five. And I'm like, you did what? Like, there's no, she goes, I knew she wasn't going to do it anyway. So it didn't matter, you know? But it was, I was like, oh my gosh, it was so funny. But, but that yeah, is. the things you do when you're like in desperation <laughs> as a, as a parent. So like you said, though, give yourself grace because, mm. um, yeah, you're not going to be perfect. We talked about that earlier. I mean, it's just the reality is we're going to mess up and that's okay. That's kind of the mm-hmm. point. You know, it's it's okay. Give yourself grace and give others grace as well. So, um, no, I love that. Love that. All right. So, you you mentioned a book already, but what's what's a book um or or book or something you've watched, something you've read, watched or listened to, it could be a podcast too, um that's informed your thinking really on how sports does explain life and leadership. Mm. I loved the book You Win in the Locker Room First by John Gordon and Mike. I forget the last name, but he was uh, affiliated with the Atlanta Falcons, Mm. uh, maybe a coach of the Atlanta Falcons. And that book, You Win in the Locker Room First, was the first book that I really dove into that explained everything that happens behind the scenes, right? Everybody sees the game. Everybody sees um, the way people are out in public, the way the family is out in public. Uh, but it's what happens in between the plays and between the games that really matters most. And so that book was a great, a bunch of great, just easy, quick lessons and stories um, about what really happens with, with winning teams in the, in the locker room. And so I think that it's, it's that piece. It's, it's uh, what happens in the locker room matters most. It's great. We've had John Gordon mentioned before, but uh, never that book. So I'm looking forward to picking that up because anything by uh, John Gordon solid. So thank you for that. And thank you for the conversation. Uh, you know, I, I I really enjoyed it, and I know we could go on much much longer, but uh, we're gonna we're gonna cut it off there for today, folks. Good news, like I said, you can go check out these books on Amazon. We'll have links to them in the in the show notes to to Andrew's website as well, Andrew Simpson.com. And um, we'll have, you know, all the other links uh, that, uh, that we mentioned, that, that uh, Scazzaro book as well, will be there too. So thank you, Andrew. Thanks, guys. This was fun. Appreciate yeah, thank it. you, Andrew. Absolutely. All right, folks. Well, thank you for, again, for being a part of the show. Thank you for your download. Um, as always, you know, you can go to the show notes and you can check out the uh, Warrior Way Soccer uh, all that Paul and Marcy are doing there, warriorwaysoccer.com. Also, the first cohort, I know we've been talking about this, we have actually pushed back the first cohort to uh, of coaching the bigger game. It will likely already be going when we, um, when we release this, but you can still join the cohort a little bit late if need be. Um, coachingthebiggergame.com if you want to check that out. As always, we hope that you're taking what you're learning from this show and, and you're using it to help you be a better coach, help you be a better parent, better spouse, better leader, better friend, better in all that you do. And continually remind yourself that soccer does explain life and leadership. Thanks a lot. Have a great couple weeks.